This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 107, verses 1 through 16. Well, I'll be reading 1 through 16, and then verses 41 through 43. If you'd like to follow along, the, black, or the Blue Pew Bibles in front of you, you can turn to page 506. Psalm chapter 107, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 16, followed by verses 41 through 43. Please rise now for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from, uh, from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. In verse 41, but he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What kind of people do you not like to hang around with? Well, for me, um, I don't like people that complains or gripes. And uh, they're not willing to provide a solution to the problem. They tend to blame someone and not willing to take on personal responsibility. Complain about professors or the teachers to complain about their supervisor, complain about their spouse, complain about their in-laws. Not, not, not only do they complain, but then there is times they're not willing to listen. 
the suggestions resolve the problem. Well, what kind of people do you like to hang around with? Well, for me, to, um, I like to hang around with those that have a grateful heart. They appreciate what has been done for them instead of complaining. They're thankful for not only the big things, but also the little things that are done for them. As uh, God has blessed Ellie and myself with children, we work hard in teaching our kids to have a grateful heart since they were babies. I want uh, my children to express their thanksgiving to others as others bless them. In the same way, God also wants His children to learn to have a grateful heart. <clears throat> and that leads us to our Psalms this morning in Psalms 107. The Psalms in the very beginning calls the redeemed to give thanks. They are to have a grateful heart. And before I jump into the, the passage here, I'd like to give you some background. The Psalms points to the time of the return from the Babylonian captivities. Let me kind of give you a little historical context here. See, God has chosen Israel to represent God. Then he promised uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that if his people were to obey him, that he was going to bless them. At the same time, they were going to disobey him, that uh, he was going to curse or discipline them. What's interesting is we take a look in Deuteronomy 28, uh, Moses allocated 14 verses describing how God was going to bless their people if they were to obey them. And he set aside 54 verses to describe how God was going to curse them or discipline them when they disobey the Lord. That's a long list of consequences, negative consequences that will fall upon the Israelites when they disobey as we take a look at that list, uh, there are different levels of discipline. You know, God starts with something that might be a little easier. Hopefully that the people will turn around, but sometimes when they don't, uh, he needs to kind of increase the dosage. And one of the most serious disciplines from the Lord is that God was going to scatter them. That they were going to go into captivity as slaves to another country. Although God sends prophets to warn the people to, to turn away from their sin and to exhort them to turn back to God, and yet we find the Israelites time and time again, they proceed to sin against God. And therefore, God has to discipline them. And because of the Israelites' continuous rebellion against the Lord, they went into captivity, the Babylonian captivity. You probably remember King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian captivities. And Jeremiah predicted that they were going to be in captivities 
for 70 years. It's like serving a sentence term of 70 years in prison. Can you imagine? For um, their rebellion. And we see that we've come to the end of those 70 years. And the captivity comes to the end. And God's people is able to go back to their homeland. Now it's a time to kind of look back at what has happened. As well as look forward. And hopefully they have learned from what's happened in the past. That would provide a more beneficial results as they look forward. Definitely to, it would be unwise to make the same mistake over and over again. This reminds me of a proverb, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. It says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. When I was in middle school, my parents got us a dog. It was a boxer, mean-looking guy. But actually, He's quite uh, gentle and friendly. I love my dog. But there's one thing that I really, really, I'm disgusted about my dog. Sometimes he gets sick and he vomits. Uh, What I'm going to tell you next is not going to be too too pleasant. Um, Somehow, I don't understand it. But various times, after he vomits, he goes back and eats his vomits. Oh, that is the grossest thing, the grossest thing that I've um, witnessed. You know, I'm sure when we have experienced a terrible experience, that we do not want to go back to it. And we say, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a kind of a dumb dog to do that. But yet at the same time, various times, we go back and make the same mistakes. Um, and uh, may we learn from the past and not make the same mistakes. The the psalm reminds the people here of what they are, how they have sinned, knowing that, but uh, how God has been gracious to them in spite of their sinfulness, and how they ought to respond to God. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Psalms 107, Psalms 107, we take a look at the first couple of verses. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hands of the foe. We see here that the psalmist addresses to the redeemed of the Lord. Usually in the Old Testament, when it talks about the redeemed, it talks about Someone that is in slavery, 
that he has been bought with a price, and then he has been set free. We see the Israelites have been slaves under the Babylonians for 70 years. Now they're set free to go home. May we remember that we have been redeemed also. We've been redeemed from the bondage of sin. Although we have been condemned, yet God has bought us with a price. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And also in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Well, may we come before God and be appreciative and to thank him for what he has done for us. He has redeemed us with his blood. He suffered so that we do not need to suffer. And from the first couple of verses here, we see the psalmist calling the redeemed to give thanks. Psalms 107 is basically a song. You know, a, lot, a lot of these um, psalms were worship songs to be sung to the Lord. This likewise. And it has a refrain, like a chorus. When we sing, we have certain choruses or refrain. And it's repeated uh, over and over again, actually four times in verses 8, 15, 21, and 31. And time and time again, it calls the redeemed to give thanks to the Lord. Too often we tend to complain for all the things that we do not have instead of giving thanks for all the things that we already have. We take those things that God's blessed us for granted and not be appreciative. Instead, we kind of compare with other people and what they have. Here we see the psalmist reminding us that those who are redeemed, that we're to give thanks. We're to recognize specifically two things. That we're to recognize God's unfailing love. And secondly, His wonderful deeds for men. Uh, let's uh, take a look at one of, one of these verses. In verse 8, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. And we see throughout the this, this Psalms, this refrain comes over and over again, reminding the people to give thanks for, the, for God, for his unfailing love, and for his wonderful deeds for men. As the Israelites were set free, they are to give thanks for his unfailing love. Now, this speaks of God's unmerited kindness and frequently is associated with forgiveness. It shows mercy. It is giving something that uh, people did not deserve. This also speaks of a binding relationship. This is an intimate relationship between God and his people. It speaks of loyalty and commitment toward one another in this special bonding relationship. 
You see, we are God's children. And God is a gracious God who loves us dearly. So not only are we to give thanks for his unloving, un, unfailing love, but also we are to give thanks for his wonderful deeds for men. Do we recognize God working in our lives? Are we paying attention to what God is doing? There's so much distraction in our lives that many times we're not aware what God is doing. May we pay a stronger attention to God's wonderful deeds. We need to be more intentional because we look around and see God's work in us. Some years back, one of my good friends owned the Saturn. Oh, they don't make Saturns anymore. That was a long time ago. Um, he was just bragging about his Saturn and how great it is and so forth. And actually, later on, I did buy a Saturn because um, he was so proud about it. Well, as he was talking about it, I talked to myself. I said, well, you know, I hardly ever have seen a Saturn out there. You know, have you seen a Saturn? No? But after, after we talked and on my way home, all of a sudden notice, hey, you know, look over there. there, there there's a Saturn. Hey, what did this one in front of me? And my question is, were, were there no Saturns at all? or, or I just wasn't paying attention to them. And I believed um, it was the latter. In the same way, are we paying attention to our Lord? And sometimes uh, we take God like, uh, like background music. It is there, but we don't hear it, you know? That God's there, but we don't see him. We need to be more intentional in looking for God, seeing his wonderful deed in our life. And as we are more mindful and more aware, we become more grateful for what he has done for us. We have looked at the call for the redeemed to give thanks. As we look at the second half, or actually most of the rest of the Psalms, we see the causes for the redeemed to give thanks. And there are two major causes. One, the God's deliverance. That God uh, delivers peop- delivered uh, the, his people from different um, negative circumstances that they might be in. And secondly, to another cause is God's dominion, his authority, his power. Well, let's look at the first cause, and we'll see this in verses 4 through 32. And here within this uh, passage from 4 to 32, there are four examples of God's deliverance. And we see that in each case, there's a certain pattern that takes place um, in each of these examples. First, um, we see that there is a dire situation that the people were going through, a difficult situation. And then secondly, we see that they cried out for help. They realized that they can't handle it themselves. They got God to help us. And thirdly, we see God intervened 
as he delivers and saves his people. And then fourthly, their call to give thanks. Recognize what God's done and praise him. Thank him. Thank him for his unfailing love. Thank him for his wonderful deeds. Problems in life is a given. But how do we go about responding to what is most critical? When we're confronted with a problem, what do we do? And many times uh, we tend to complain or blame somebody else. Then to try to really, and, 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 if, and, and then after that, we try to resolve it on our own. And if it, if it does not work, we, we go ask somebody else to help us to solve the problem. And unfortunately, to various times, uh, as a last resort, when everything else does not work, we turn to God, crying out to Him for help. Instead of trying to resolve things ourselves, which will end in frustration, let us go to the Lord immediately. He's eager to help us because he has this covenant relationship with us, that unfailing love that we have together. We see the first example here that God's redeemed the Israelites from their wanderings. And the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. We see this in verses 4 to 9. <coughs> they were not able to find their way out. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And how many of us might be in position where we're wandering? Wandering to spiritually, wandering emotionally. Life seems to be meaningless. And then we to feel alone. Feeling that no one cares or really understands what's happening to us. May we remember that God is always there. and He's always available. If we only cried out to him. There's a difference between asking for help and crying out for help. When we cry out for, God, for help, we realize that we can't solve it at all. We're in a kind of desperate situation. Can't figure it out. Instead, uh, we turn to God to help us. God is always there to give us a hand. Sometimes we need to be broken before we turn to the Lord. And when we do, he will come through for us. The psalmist exhorts us in verse 8 to give thanks to the Lord for his deliverance. Acknowledge God for who he is and what he has done for us. In spite of God's grace, we see the Israelites fall back into sin, sin of rebellion as we take a look in verses 10 to 12. And as a result, God disciplined them. And somehow uh, we see the Israelites, and many times we 
are in the same situation, that we fall back into sin, although God's deliver us. God shows us that he's there. And through times we forget about what God's done. And when we're confronted with a situation, we try to solve it ourselves. And we fall into this uh, cycle of sin where we, we sinned. And God has to discipline us. And God has to break us. To make us realize that we need God and we can't do it by ourselves. And then we cry out to God. And he comes to deliver us. But somehow, uh, we forget and fall back into that same cycle again. Brothers and sisters, let us not be like the dog that goes back to the vomit. May we learn from the past. That's how we gain experience. Learning from our past mistakes. And because of the Israelites' rebellion, God disciplines children. And this time, putting them in servitude. They, they were under bondage. We see this in verses 12 to 16. This is the second example. That God has redeemed the Israelites from their servitude. Now, um, I believe various times uh, we are under certain bondage. We might be under bondage of greed. That we need to have more and more and, 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 and what we have is not enough. And some of us might be to under bondage of pornography. Others might be under the bondage of uh, being people pleasers. We all need to be set free. My few trapped. We know that uh, what's happening with us is not good, but yet uh, we don't know how to get out of our bad habits. We sense that nobody can help us. May we, just like the Israelite, cry out to the Lord. And we see this in verses 13, 14. Let me just read that to you. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Notice, time and time again, as God's people crying out to the Lord, that God answers them quickly. God immediately saves them from their distress. God wants to deliver us if we only turn to him, repent of our sins and cry out to, to him, showing that we need him. Now, sometime, God might not deliver us immediately, but he is still there. Let's still trust in the Lord. You see, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has a covenant relationship with us. He loves us. When we fall into a crisis, and I learned that uh, there's two characters in Chinese for the word crisis. The first character means danger, indeed, crisis 
is dangerous and is in danger. And the second character for the world crisis, it means opportunity. When we are in a crisis, it's not always that we have done something bad. Yes, it might be dangerous, but yet it is an opportunity for God to shine. It's an opportunity for us to learn some important lessons. May we learn to go before the Lord, and God will deliver us. The psalmist again calls upon the redeemed to give thanks, as recorded in verse 15. Thank God for his unfailing love and for his wonderful deeds. Again, we see the Israelites seems to have not learned the lesson again. And they fall back into that cycle of sin, of rebellion, as this recorded in verse 17. They wanted to do their own thing. And they basically have a selfish prime. And many times uh, in our lives, we try to figure everything out ourselves without God. And we fall into similar cycles of sin. See, God is a just God. And uh, because not only is he a just God, he loves us, he disciplines his children. And as a result, uh, there uh, will be consequences. Afflictions at times will come upon us. And, and various times when these afflictions that come upon us is self-inflicted, instead of blaming somebody else, may we look in the mirror and see how we might have sinned against God. May we learn from our past mistakes. May we not wait until God breaks us so that we cry out to the Lord. <clears throat> and we see in verse 19, again, the same pattern that the people were broken and they cried out to the Lord. And then the Lord responded by saving them from their distress. God healed them and rescued them. God's the only one. God's not only a just God, but he's also a gracious God. His unfailing love is being displayed. His loyal love calls him to deliver us. <coughs> now, in spite of Israel's sin, God still pours out his grace upon his people when they cry out to him. You see in verse 20, it says that uh, he healed them and rescued them from the grave. God has redeemed the Israelites from their sickness. It does not matter whether we are wandering in the wilderness or whether we're in servitude or in bondage or we're in sickness of some sort. God's there. God could do something about it. Even though uh, we might have sinned against the Lord, God has not given up on us. We see again in verse 21, the same refrain again, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. We see in verse 22, 
that um, the psalmist gives another step here. Not only are we to give thanks to the Lord, but also to tell his works with songs of joy. Don't keep it to ourselves. Let others know what God has been doing in our lives. As we go to verse 28, we see the fourth example or scenario where the Psalms describe a sailor that's uh, in trouble sea, in a stormy voyage. He's in a storm. He became, he feels uh, helpless, although that was his profession, but it was overwhelming for this sailor. He didn't know what to do. And there are times in our lives that we face rough and tough storms. It's natural for us to want to try to resolve that on our own. And when we turn to the Lord, and sometimes God places storms in our life to see how we go about dealing with it. God's able to calm any storm and make the rough wave still. And when we are in danger, God can give us safety. Are you in a storm today? May we cry out to the Lord who loves us. He hears us and desires to deliver us. And again, we see this reframe the fourth time as it's recorded in verse 31 32. Let me read that to you. It says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. Again, we're reminded to give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks for his un, uh, unfailing love, for his wonderful deed. Do we recognize it? And only that, you see the psalmist reminding us, tell others of what God has done for us. So as a summary un, under this section, God at different times put us in situations Will we need to abandon our trust in ourselves and to call out to God for deliverance? And through tough times and trials, we will experience God's love for us. We'll experience God's grace for us. We see the second cause of giving thanks is God's dominion. Again, we see in this latter section of the Psalms, four cycles of contrast, which describes how God turns plenty to poverty and poverty into plenty. He shows that God humbles us from our self-sufficiency, but he lifts up the needy who calls out to him. In verses 33 and 34, we see the people having plentiful. You know, a lot of times when things are going well, we tend to forget about God. Instead of thanking the Lord, we tend to take credit 
for our own success. And it reminds me uh, in Deuteronomy that Moses says in, in chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirm his covenant, which he swore to your forefather as it is today. God um, displays his power over nature by turning their fertile land into wasteland. Sometimes when we think things are going well, we forget about God. God needs to turn things around to wake us up. It's, it's not about us. It's about the Lord. And just this plentiful that we might have, he could turn things around. And uh, we could uh, be in the wasteland instead. And then in verse uh, 35, 38, we see God's power in nature is being displayed. Again, however, it's the other way around, turning deserts into pools of water. He reverses the other way around by turning poverty to plenty. These people recognize their need for the Lord. And that God meets their needs. And may we recognize God's dominion and to thank him. He's sovereign, and may we learn to submit ourselves to him. God not only shows his uh, dominion through his power over nature, but also his authority over nobles. As we look at the last section of this passage, recorded in verse 39 through the rest of the chapter, the people here had to be humble again by oppression and sorrow. The nobles or the leaders misled the people, and they had to be judged. And God had to teach them by moving them from plenty to poverty again. And most of the time, to how that happens is because of our self-sufficiency. That we think we could do it all, then we don't need God in this final fourth group as recorded in verse 41 to 42 are those that recognize that they are in need of God. That they need God to provide for them. And we see again flipping that around that God turned those that are in need from poverty into plenty. In verse 41 it reads, but he lifts the needy out of their affliction and increases their families like flocks. The upright sees and rejoice, but all the wicked shuts their mouth. In summary of this second section of the cause to give thanks, that God opposes a self-sufficient individual. They may think that they're competent. They do not need God. You see, the God uh, opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Those who know that they are not that smart, that knows that they are insufficient without God, then they will cry out to God for help. 
and in response, God will deliver them and show his dominion. God gives grace to the humble. We worship a wonderful God who pours out grace in spite of our sins. Therefore, may we give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and for his wonderful deeds. May we learn from our past mistakes. May we not return to the vomit. And as we humble ourselves before the Lord by crying out to him, God is eager to help us and to deliver us. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, um, we know that you're always there. We ask that you forgive us of our self-sufficiency, trying to solve things on our own. You're always there, ready to assist us if we only cry out to you. And Father, um, although you deliver us, various times we forget we fall back into sin. Lord, um, help us not to go back to our vomit. Help us to go to you when we are in trouble immediately. May we not uh, rebel and turn away from you. And that you have to break us. You have to get us. Get, a, get our attention so that we will turn back to you. May we naturally desire to turn to you at all times. May we be more aware of what you're doing in our lives so that we can give thanks to you, that we praise you, that we worship you for your unfailing love, for your wonderful deeds. You constantly work in our lives. Teach us to have a grateful heart for you. In Jesus' name.